0: Hello everybody, welcome to 321 No Kidding, Bobby the Awesome here, and today I am joined by Miss Jennifer Smith from Uniquely Me, LLC. Welcome to 321,
1: Jennifer. Thank you very much, I'm grateful to be here.
0: I'm grateful to have you as a guest, and it sounds like we have a lot of ground to cover just from the couple minutes we talked before getting on air. So to kick us off, how about we start with a little introduction Maybe about where you are today and why you wanted to join us. Awesome.
1: Well, I'm <laughs> I'm kind of all over the place at the moment, but right now in in my own headspace, I'm focused on on healing people. Um, I own a hemp company and I started it about a year ago and my main goal is to help people heal from their trauma, from their anxiety, from their pain, from their past. Um, I was diagnosed with CPTSD. Um, I have a rare disease. I deal with a lot of health issues. Um, I've suffered a lot in my life. So suffering is something I'm very familiar with. And I don't like to see other people suffer. So I know there's a million people out there that say that they they don't want to see suffering, but yet they inflict it on people every day because those people are still emotionally broken. So they go out and they tease people and they bully people and they judge people. So they're inflicting more pain on people. Well, I do my best to not do that because everybody out there is struggling and they're all fighting a battle that you have no idea about. So just try to be kind, be a little more gentle. Um, we don't have to baby people, just a little bit of common understanding, a little bit of consciousness there. Um, and my products are basically positive purpose products. So I don't make anything that makes you high or gets you. Crazy. Um, all of my products have a purpose. So if you have pain, it's going to get rid of your pain in 30 seconds. There's no toxins, no chemicals, no poisons. Um, pharmaceutical companies hate me. Um, and that's OK. I got big shoulders. I can handle that. Um, but but I'm trying to heal people, um, alleviate um, anxiety and depression stress because the two main problems in society today are either pain or anxiety. We're all suffering with something. And those two components make very mean and angry and frustrated people. So if you can remove the two problems, right, we can have a better society. So my goal is to remove those two things in a very organic, natural and safe way so that people can still live their life and have a better quality of life.
0: I love that purpose. Do you want to share with us, take us back kind of what led to this? Like you don't just wake up one morning and go, I want to change the world with anxiety and depression. Uh, (laughs) There's probably some stuff behind there that's, that's driven you there. Do you want to take us on that journey?
1: Absolutely. Um, Just so that anybody and everybody knows out there, what I'm going to tell you can be very triggering to people. Um, It can, it can, Uh, reopen wounds and things like that. So I just want you to know beforehand that I'm going to take you on a journey that you may, you know, question after. Um, So just so you're all aware. Um, I come from a long line of abuse. When I was a child, uh, at the age of two, I was molested by my father to whom I called a sperm donor. Um, And from that point on, it really didn't get much easier. I have an older sister. She's two years older than me. And um, we lived here in Pennsylvania growing up in the 80s. I was born in 1981. So it was a different time back then. Not many people really cared much about what was going on in kids' lives. They were partying. They were living it up. Um, and they that really wasn't talked about back then. So we kind of suffered in silence. I, I always assumed that abuse and fighting and, and those kinds of things that had happened were normal. Um My mother didn't ever defend me. Um, I had told her about it when I was younger, but she didn't really acknowledge the fact that it happened. You know, I was crazy, bad things, you know. Um, But the problem being is she was being abused too. I used to watch him come home drunk on Jack Daniels and high on cocaine and beat her to a bloody pulp every night. And that was my reality. Um, There was massive parties at my house. We had all kinds of... um, questionable people, I guess you could say there at all times, he was always selling drugs and doing really bad things. So that's just the way I grew up. It was emotional, physical, spiritual, sexual abuse up until I was, you know, probably about seven or eight years old, my mother got the strength to finally leave him. And she remarried my stepdad, she, she got married and married my stepdad. So um, that was about age seven. Uh, We moved out to Wyoming and we lived there in a tiny little town called Buffalo. I think the population was a thousand, which was really kind of weird. I had never seen a town so tiny, even though in the town I live in, I'm related to 90% of the people and the other 10% I know, but it's still a lot more people. Um, So they had two bars on main street. They had two sub shops. They had a museum, Um, a soda shop, which was like one of those old soda bars, you know, which was really kind of cool. Um, but it was this tiny little town and I'm thinking, oh my God, I came from a tiny town and this one's even smaller. My world got about this big, you know, um, it, it had maybe 400 kids in the entire district and we all walked to school. Some rode horses to school, which was really kind of strange people left for lunch, like they were working. It it was so weird. Um, But we lived out there for a couple of years while Fred, the sperm donor, went through court and everything else because he had gone on and molested another little girl. She was five. And then my mother decided, oh, well, maybe she wasn't lying. You know, there was all kinds of legal processes and everything for years. And we lived in Wyoming while this was all going on. Um, after they put him in prison, he went to prison for 14 and a half years. Um, we moved back here to Pennsylvania. Well, that got really bad because I was in seventh, seventh grade when we moved back. So when I went to school, I was related to everybody. So everybody knew what was going on. It was all over the, in the papers. So everybody's parents knew what had happened. Every child knew what had happened. So when I went to school, I was tortured by the kids at school saying, Oh, you love to have sex with your father and "Oh, you, you know, like they bullied me, tortured me. I almost committed suicide twice. Um, and I'm still here. So I didn't succeed, which I'm beyond grateful for. Um, and, and so school didn't even get better. Then when I started to try to date people, the parents would torture me. Like Mm. it was bad growing up was really hard. Um, so Finally, at about 17, 16, 17 years old, I met my husband to whom I'm married to still to this day. Um, And I spent a lot of time with him and um, he kind of kept me stable. And then when I turned 18, I moved out of my house and I moved in with him and we got married. I was 18 years old. And um, yeah, it, it was it was really good at that point because I was able to get away from my family somewhat. Um, but then my mother found out that my father got out of prison. He ended up in my driveway one day, which since he abused me, they were supposed to let me know that he was getting out of prison, which they didn't, which was kind of bad because he showed up in my driveway, and apparently, my mother had been seeing him while he was still in prison, which was bad because I had no idea about any of this. and then, so he got out of prison and she divorced my stepdad and remarried the psycho and then they moved to Florida. Yeah. At this point in time, while all of that was going on, I was fighting a battle that you couldn't see. It was opiates. Um when I was twenty years old I had brain surgery and I had a rare disease or a rare congenital defect of my skull called an Arnold Chiari malformation. Mine was a type two. So what had happened was the hole in your skull where your stem comes through, mine was too small. So it was herniating my cerebellum. It was pinching off the flow of cerebral spinal fluid over my brain and it was building up pressure. So they had to cut that hole larger and cut out my first vertebrae and build a shelf for my brain to sit on. So I have a scar about this long in the back of my head from the bottom of my neck to the top of my head. So at this point it was a 12 and a half hour surgery and um, I was in so much pain. It was unbelievable. So they had put me on opiates. That's where my addiction started. So while I was dealing with all of the trauma from my family, they put me on opiates for pain. Now, I don't know if you will understand. I'm sure you do. You're at a point in your life where you probably understand a lot more than most, but trauma will manifest as physical pain, stored trauma and emotions. So I was suffering pain, emotional pain, and it was manifesting as real pain, even though I had brain surgery. I was still having all this pain in my body. They diagnosed me with fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia is something that 90, probably 5% of women on this planet have, and it's usually connected to either sexual abuse or abuse as a child. So, that is something that most people don't know, that if you have fibromyalgia, that is trauma manifesting as real pain. Is it real? Yes, it's real. It's not psychosomatic. It is real, but you have to heal the trauma first. I didn't understand that. So, I was taking these pills, and I took them for 15 years. I came off of opiates in 2012. I woke up one morning, and I can say this... and people think I'm crazy, but I, I can't say it any other way because this is what happened. I woke up and I heard a voice and the voice said to me, you got to stop taking these pills. And I thought, I don't think I took enough because obviously I'm going a little loopy. <laughs> so, um Maybe I better just take a few more. But then I looked at the supply and I knew that I was running out. So I knew that I was going to have to make a decision, either go to a hospital and get more pills quit taking them because I knew the cycle was just going to keep continuing or I could just take the whole bottle and be happy for a few hours and then worry about it later because I knew I could go buy more well the little voice said you don't have time for that you have to stop this or you're gonna die now I knew better because I was on fentanyl I was taking 500 pills per month okay I was taking Oxycontin 30s I was taking morphine, 50 milligrams. I was taking Dilaudid, two milligrams every four hours. I was taking Opana, which is an extended release opiate, uh, morphine, actually, hydromorphone. Um, Hydromorphone? No, not hydromorphone. Um, Maybe that's what it, I don't know. Either way, I was taking that. I was taking Soma 350 milligrams, which is a muscle relaxer. I was taking mass doses of fentanyl, 220 micrograms every other day. I had overdosed on fentanyl three times.
0: Can you so can you pause for a second, Jennifer? I'm sorry to
1: interrupt. Yeah. No, it's okay. Uh,
0: can you explain how fentanyl would be part of the normal cycle? Right, like like I think that most of us associate fentanyl with the bad thing that goes into like weed or is a substitute out on the streets or a bad thing. So you're telling us that you were prescribed fentanyl intentionally. Absolutely. Can you expound on that just for a second? I didn't mean to interrupt your flow.
1: No, no, that's okay. Yeah. Fentanyl comes in a few different forms. You can get it in um, what they call actique and it's a pill or not a pill. I'm sorry, a lollipop, or you can get a patch form, which goes on your arm, kind of like a nicotine patch. Okay. Or they can give it to you intravenously. So I'm not sure that there's a pill. I don't think so. Um, But what they do with it is they crush it up and put it in pills. Like they don't prescribe a pill, but in normal cases, if you have cancer or you are in stage of life and you are in a massive amount of pain, that's the highest dose of anything that they can give you. It is literally a thousand times stronger than morphine. 220 micrograms is a massive dose, a half a grain, the size of a, a um, piece of rice will kill you. 0.2 micrograms, not even milligrams. We're talking micrograms. You need a microscope to see the amount of fentanyl that will kill you and they had me on enough to kill an army of men and I was still functioning. I was still driving a car, making decisions, I was doing things I shouldn't have been, but I had been on drugs for so long that I had such a high tolerance that I could. And that's what's scary because I, again, I have some, some other issues with that, but fentanyl is very dangerous. It's very dangerous and it's killing people every day right now. They're still prescribing it. But the problem being is there's mass doses of it coming over from China, coming in from Mexico, from wherever and the government allows it because they're not stopping it. They are putting it in pills. They're putting it in marijuana. They're putting it in literally anything. People, and people aren't looking for fentanyl. They're looking for a Xanax. They're looking for marijuana. They're looking for an escape from the reality that they're in because it's no longer conducive to the human spirit. And that's the problem. So, you know, they started me out on something that should have been you know, two, three weeks of pain pills and they should have cut me off, but they didn't. They just kept giving me more because I kept saying I had pain, but instead of looking for the reason as to why I had the pain, they just kept giving me more drugs, which that's not right because they should have went back and said, okay, well, let's give you, you know, marijuana. Let's give you um, CBG or CBD or let's give you these things because these things aren't going to harm you. These things aren't going to kill you. They're not going to poison your system but they didn't do that. They just prescribed more. Every time I would go to the hospital, they'd give me more. And, and I don't think they're doing that as often now, but like they killed a lot of people for, for a lot of money for no reason. Now it's the opposite from my
0: understanding, um, and experience actually now you can't get pain stuff. Like it's so swung the other way. They're still not looking to figure out what's causing it per se. Um, But the folks that need it, like I ran into a family member that um, may have to stop working because they took away her prescription that kept her functioning to deal with the pain, like just crazy stuff. And it's like, oh, so you want the people who maybe aren't abusing it to go on the streets. And anyway, I I can go on about that. But anyway, you woke up, you had this voice, you're on all this medication. Um, Please continue.
1: (laughs) So then I thought, well, maybe the meds are making me hear things. I'm going crazy. Maybe I better check in somewhere is my first thought process. And then I thought, you know what? No, I don't think so. Because I don't think a crazy voice would tell me to do something that might be a good idea. So then I said, okay, little voice, what the fuck are we going to do now? (laughs) I have about three hours left of pills. So it's going to either be a really good three hours Or, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna dump them and we're gonna start suffering right now. The little voice said to me, look, you don't have to suffer. You know how to fix this. You're not dumb, but do you really want to do this time and time again? We've done this for years now. Do we really want to continue? I'm like, no. I'm like, but I can go and buy more. Yeah, but you have too much to do and you don't have time. You're gonna be dead and you have a purpose, so you need to get moving. And I'm like, Ah, oh, shit. Now it made me responsible. That's not even fair. You told me that I have shit to do. Okay, then. And I just trusted that little voice. So what I did was I called the doctor and I said, I'm not going to take these pills anymore. And they're like, you can't stop. I said, watch me. I went and I filled my last prescription. At this point, I was, I'm highly educated when it comes to medical things because I've lived in the medical field, not worked it, lived it. I also have a rare disease called Giedelman syndrome. There's 97 known on the planet. I'm one of 97. And mine is more rare because it was a spontaneous mutation of my DNA. This wasn't a genetically inherited issue. My kidneys, instead of reabsorbing potassium, magnesium, they flush it as if it's not necessary. That holds back calcium, so my bones are 10 times stronger than any other humans, and I'll never get osteoporosis. However, I do get kidney stones. I do get, well, mm-hmm. not gallstones anymore because they took that sucker. But I mean, I have those issues. Um, also, my potassium levels, yours have to be a between about 4.5 and 5.0 for you to function normally. Mine is about 1.2. You'd be dead. You wouldn't be able to survive it. Me, I function just normally at that. So mm-hmm. for years, the doctors tried to you know figure out what was wrong with me and everything else and they just threw pills at me and they couldn't figure out as to why I was dealing with what I was dealing with because there was only 97 people that they had actually seen with this disease so i ended up suffering for years with tests and all kinds of pokes and prods and meds and doctors and you name it i was there i've been to every hospital that was research hospitals I spent most of my time in Hershey because they've done studies on me for years I'm in medical books and it's just crazy it's it's absolutely insane so anyway I'm I'm educated when it comes to medications so I knew that if I weaned myself off I knew where I had to start and where I had to end up so I went and I got all my pills and I started with the fentanyl and I wore it you know for every other day and then I dropped my I I would drop my dosage the next day and drop it the next day, lower it until I didn't have any left, but I only used it for like probably two weeks. And then I went to the morphine. I threw the fentanyl away. I went to the morphine, drop that down to the oxy, then drop that down until I ended up all the way down at my somas and my Dela or my, um, value. I used to take value. 10 milligrams so I'd cut them in half and then I'd cut them in quarters until I had nothing left and I have one Percocet left and it's in a bottle somewhere but I have one left because of the simple fact being is I wanted proof that no longer does it control me they can't tell me that I'm an addict because I have that pill and if I didn't have that pill then I would be an addict because then that pill has more control over me than I have over it and that's not the way it is I control it it doesn't control me. So they can't tell me that addicts can't be cured because they can. It just, you have to heal the trauma. You have to understand that no matter what that trauma is, you have to heal it. And it's the only way out. The only way out is through. And my products help people do that. I know you said your sister's suffering with pain. Well, my products, within 30 seconds of putting that on, she won't have pain. And I know that because I went through all those opiates and I know what they do to your system. I know how it creates more pain. When you're taking an opiate, you have receptors in your brain and it fills all the receptors. And once those receptors are full, your brain wants more. So it'll create more receptors and create more pain when you don't even have pain. So you'll fill more receptors. That's part of the addiction. So when we stop that process and we pull that back and we get rid of the opiates and we fix the pain, fix the trauma, we can heal it. I know we can because I did it for myself. So if I can do it, you can do it. You're no different than I am. I have a few really weird and crazy diseases you don't have. So it's much easier. But my point being is I can help you because you're a human just like I am. Well, let's not go that far. I'm a unicorn, but I mean, you know, in a human body. So I, I guess technically I'm still human, but my <laughs> I love it. Help, they, they they don't harm. They're not going to, to hurt you in any way, shape or form. And that's what makes it so important because Doctors and, and I know they start in a wonderful place. They do, but that Hippocratic oath doesn't follow through anymore because they're throwing pills at people faster than you can shake a stick at it. And there are more. Oh my God. More side effects. And people are like, give them to me. What the fuck? You, you your kidneys could shut down. You could poop blood for a week and, and your kidney can fall out. And you're like, give me more. Like, I, I don't understand. Yeah. Like. I mean, I understand because I used to do the same thing. But once you look at that and you see what damage it does to your system and I can sell you a tin of lotion that's going to last you over 60 days and you won't have any pain. I would rather do that and know that you're going to be safe because if you ate it it tastes like shit, it tastes like absolute shit, but it works and it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt your pets. It's not going to hurt your kids. Isn't that where we should be? Isn't that what we should be doing, helping each other so that we're not suffering so much? I want to heal the world. And that's what I wanted to do because it hurt me so bad. The world hurt me. Many people hurt me. My mother, my father, my sister, my whole entire family, which I have cut out completely, which I haven't talked to in over 13 years because of the simple fact that they were toxic. And you have toxic people around you. You're going to be toxic. I learned something a long time ago that you are the sum of the people that you hang out with. You are the total sum. So if you spend time with toxic people, you're going to be toxic to everybody around you. If you spend time with positive, positive uplifting people, you are going to be a blessing to everybody you come in contact with. I want to be a blessing. I don't want to infect people. I want to affect people in a very positive way and make their lives much better because they deserve it. Not because I want to make money. I do. We all do. But I want to do it with a positive purpose. I want to make a difference because it made a difference to me. If I can get my life back, there's no reason why anybody else can't have theirs. I've suffered a lot. I've dealt with a lot of trauma. I've done a lot of work on myself, and I've done a lot of work on my mental capacity to be able to help others. If I didn't go through what I went through, I would never be the person I am today. And I love the person I am today. I'm grateful for that little voice that saved my ass. And not for nothing, but coming off of all those drugs was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, and I did it by myself. I didn't go to rehab. I didn't go to therapy. I still don't have a therapist. I probably should at this point, but <laughs> um, You know, it, and I think it comes from being so young and having to raise myself and take care of myself, I learned how to fix myself. But by me being able to fix me, I'm able to help others fix them. So it's a blessing. Um, I'm a very mentally tough person, and I have to be, considering the fact. Um, but I, w- I weight a lot, too. That's another thing most people don't understand. There's a weight issue here in the United States, and it's because of all the chemicals that we're eating, that we're putting in our systems, the pills that we're taking, it packs weight on. But not only that, trauma will cause you to gain weight. So guess what? If you can't lose the weight here, it's because you can't lose the weight here. Once you clear this, the rest of it falls off.
0: I I I agree with you a million percent. I gotta ask you some questions though, because there's a there's a gap I need filled, please. First. So you wean yourself off, which is freaking incredible. Like I love that you shared that. Um it, it it's added something new in my arsenal as well. Um to feel that because I have never had to go through, um, alcohol or drug withdrawal. Um, I understand how dangerous it is, but, and, and, and and maybe not everybody has the wherewithal or understanding to be able to break it down the way you did scientifically. But I, I was like, Oh, in my head, you, you broke, remember how I was talking about, I have these beliefs and when I get more information, they kind of evolve. So in my head, you think of detox as and, and I saw it when I was in rehab for gambling, they had alcohol and drug. And, you know, these, these guys would be in locked in a room for three days detoxing um, yep. with nothing but sugar pretty much as a resource, right? Like all this junk food to help them get through the withdrawal and all this stuff. Um, <clears throat> so I really liked the way you framed it. Maybe it took two weeks, maybe it took two months, whatever that is. That's still right. a lot better if you come out of it, you know, representing the way that you are and feeling healthy. So here's, here's what I want to know, Jennifer, you detox, and now you're in this place where you're helping others. You didn't have a therapist. Like what, what happened in the middle to help you heal the
1: trauma? I joined a gym. (laughs) I was 265 pounds when I came off of opiates. My last date of taking any pill was November 11th of 2013. On that day, I joined a gym because I told my husband I was going to be in a bikini by summer. He knows how stubborn I am. I'm a Taurus. Once I put my mind to something, there's no changing it. You can, I will move heaven and earth. I don't care. I'm doing it. And I'm going to take pictures too. Lots of them. So that's exactly what I did. 265 pounds. I joined the gym. And I went for two hours the first day. Most of that time was sitting in the in the bathroom wondering about what I'm going to do once I get out front. I rode the bicycle for five minutes. I thought I was going to die. Matter of fact, I was sure I was going to die. (laughs) I'm like, fuck. But then the little voice is there. You're not stopping. I'm like, oh, yes, I am. I'm stopping and I'm going the fuck home. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to roll a joint because I smoke a lot of pot. And that's what I'm going to do. The little voice says, no, you're not. You're going to go home, you're going to drink water, you're going to eat something healthy, and then we're going to get up and we're going to come back and we're going to join the gym. I'm like, oh, fuck no. Listen, you made me cut pills out. This was your idea. Like, I'm having this conversation. (laughs) Mind you, I have these conversations all the time. I call them, you know, business meetings, and then we sort it out later. So if you ever see me in the corner just talking, just let me go. We're having a conversation. It's all good, you know. Me, myself, and my higher self telling me, stop being an asshole. So higher self comes in and says, no, this is what we're doing because we're not going back. You have too much to do. But you know what? At that point in time, I didn't know what the little voice was talking about when it said I had too much to do. I now know while I sit here in front of you talking to you, I knew what that little voice was telling me was true, that I had too much to do because I had to be doing this I had to be running this company. I had to be talking to people. I had to be speaking because people need to know and they need to hear it that they can recover, that, that they can. They don't need a doctor. They don't need prescriptions. They don't need any kind of toxic poison. Their body can heal if they just give it what it needs. And cannabinoids are exactly what you need to fix your body. Except, see, if the pharmaceutical companies allowed you to believe that, then you wouldn't be buying the poison and keeping yourself sick and generating money and millions of dollars for them. You would be healing. You'd be able to go out and do whatever the hell you wanted to, whenever you wanted to, and you wouldn't be twisted up and drugged out. Like, it's mind-blowing. So You're not
0: passionate at all about this.
1: No, not even. Not even (laughs) a little bit. So. Little voice is like, this is what we're doing. I'm like, okay, here we go. Great. I'm like, I'm going to need two pounds of weed by the end of this week. I get it. So that's what we did. We went home. We ate. We did good. And I actually went back that night. I didn't wait till the next day because I didn't want the little voice to yell at me. So I went back that night and I signed up for a full year, which made made me commit to it because I wasn't going to spend money and not go. Within three months, I had got myself up to six hours a day in the gym. Three hours in the morning and three hours at night, I dropped 120 pounds and about 50 50 pounds of muscle in six years on my own by myself. I was deadlifting 300 pounds. I took it to the extreme and I always take everything to the extreme because I need to prove to myself that I can do it because I know if I can do it, I can ask others to do it. I will never in my entire life ask anybody to do something that I couldn't do myself because I need to prove that I can do it first. And I know if I can, anybody can. There's no excuse. There is absolutely no human being on this planet that can say to me, I can't. Yes, you can. It's I don't want to or I don't know how. One of the two. But yes, you can. One hundred percent. You can do anything your mind you put your mind to. I know. Cause I did so, it. So are you processing
0: the pain of your childhood and and like like is the voice helping you do that while you're at the gym? Or like yeah. how did you move on? From
1: that stuff. So you're, you're, are you sweating out the demons? Like, (laughs) like every set. And I know everybody does this. There's not many people that can sit alone with their own thoughts because it's too haunting. Well, I did that. I sat alone with my thoughts. Every rep was a thought process. Every thought that I had that I wasn't as good. I knew I was better. And that your brain is your biggest enemy at times. Your narrative is your biggest enemy, because it will tell you you're good or bad. But that depends on your subconscious narrative of what you're telling yourself. So my entire life, I was told I wasn't good enough, or I couldn't do something, or I wasn't able to do something. I had doctors telling me I was going to die when I was 20, that I'd never have kids that I wouldn't survive because of my potassium deficiency that I couldn't do everything. I had people telling me I couldn't do things my entire life and they were proving it to me. So guess what? I proved it to myself for a very long time that I couldn't until the little voice said, motherfucker, yes, you can do it. And I'm like, you know, it's cussing at me. Great. You know, but the truth of the matter is you can. And, and that voice got me through a lot because it, it put that positive aspect that I needed in my life to change so that I could be the person I am today for everybody else. So if it makes me crazy, then I'll accept that. But that crazy saved my ass. And I'm sure there's other people out there that have had that little voice of reason come and say, hey, look, you're really fucking up. You really need to change some things because if not, you're not going to survive it. And, and I knew I had a purpose. I've known this from the time I was a little kid, I'm an empath. I'm not sure if you're familiar with or if your audience is familiar with, but I'm an empath. I'm Heyoika empath at that. I see things, feel things, hear things long before they happen. I know when earthquakes are going to happen. I know when volcanoes are going to happen. I know a room I can read it just by the energy in that room. Energy is my first language. I know it better than anything else. So when I'm interacting with people, I can usually tell or understand or feel what they've gone through long before they even open their mouth. I'll say things and it'll trigger you. And you'll be like, well, how did you know that? Well, I just kind of know the little voice tells me things and I just say it. And here we go, you know, but I do it all the time. Freaks my friends out. I'm like, just deal with it. Like, come on, (laughs) You you know, but it's, it's given me the ability to be able to help. So many people deal with so much trauma, transmute that trauma, heal themselves, and make them feel better in a, in a positive manner to where they're not hurting themselves with a chemical. The last thing I want to see is somebody die because they went to find a pill out on the streets to comfort themselves. And it was fentanyl, which I have lost many friends from fentanyl. And, and I don't want to see another die. And the most crazy thing on the planet, and I will say this, and That you can't do it any longer. So I'm grateful that I can say this now. But when I was getting fentanyl, they gave me Actique. They gave me those lollipops for a while. And my son was really young. I'm a mom. My son is going to be 23 this year. I'm married 24, 25 years this year. I'm with my husband for 27 years. So, I mean, I'm, I'm stable in that area, but the rest of the life was kind of shit, but it's better now. Um, but I even forgot where I was going with that lollipop son. Oh yeah. The, the Actique. Well, what had happened was the patches used to be gel. Okay. So what we would do, cause we were fucked up, we'd pop that gel out and we'd smoke it, go figure, or we'd eat it. You know, I'm lucky I didn't die from that. Cause I did overdose on fentanyl three times. And that was when I was at the highest dose. I was at two, 220 micrograms every other day. Um, and just so everybody knows my doctor is sitting in federal prison right now for the rest of his life for killing four people. I was lucky. I'm blessed. I am blessed beyond belief. I'm blessed that I'm not only able to share my story, but be able to help people come out of that toxic coma because I know what the mentality is. I know what it feels like. I know what that sickness is, but I also know how to fix it. So that that gives me a very unique perspective to be able to heal people on any level, whether they have PTSD, whether they have pain, whether they have fibro, whether they have um trauma, whether they have a broken bone. It doesn't even matter. I can fix it because I've already dealt with all that myself, and I've fixed it. so it just gives me a great perspective so there's a there's a product I'm going to ask you about but before I do yeah.
0: that okay. um, your husband, so he's been with you. Before, yep. during, after, present—like, um, yeah. How is, is it okay to ask? Like, yeah. Where was he for all of this?
1: <laughs> he was patiently waiting. I guess you can say Jason has always been very supportive of me, no matter what I'm doing. He, he's amazing. I, I can't even. He's my best friend. My everything. Um, he's never told me no. He's never told me I can't. He's always supported everything I do, no matter what it is. And he's never stopped me, no matter what. Because I think he knew he couldn't stop me anyway. Um, But he also knew that by trying to tell me to stop taking pills or whatever else, that I would have continued anyway. So Jason has never controlled me, ever. So I think by allowing me to just be me, to allow me to process without pushing me or forcing me or anything just by... Loving me no matter what, it really made a difference in my entire life. So I'm grateful for that. And he's still here. And we're still chicken. Have we had problems? Of course. Every relationship does. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. But we fight for each other. We still love each other. There there have been times when we don't talk for a while, but we get over it. We come back together. We do our best to communicate and, and we make it work. If you can find somebody that supports you no matter what, loves you no matter what, hang on to them because you don't want to let go of that, you know? And he he's always just been there. Um, there there's there been times, like, Jason had a rough life growing up too. You know, he was mentally abused and, and emotionally and physically abused, so he has a lot of trauma that he needed to work through. So we're just two broken people that have decided to just work together and make it work. So, um, you know, it's and, and now we run this company together. We we work together every day. We're we're just happy living life and, and enjoying ourselves and helping others heal from from trauma and just trying to make a big difference in this world. You know,
0: thank you. That that's very beautiful. And And one of the takeaways I just got from that was we don't have to marry our parents. Right. like no. How often does that happen? Right. We see, um, you know, guys marry people like their moms in an unhealthy way. And and same thing with girls marrying their um, sperm donors. And that's what I always I call yeah, why that sperm happen- donor biological. So I get that.
1: Do you want to know why that happens, though?
0: Because it's all they know is what my guess would be.
1: Right. Well, as a child, when you're emotionally deprived, then you think that emotional deprivation is what you deserve and what mm. love is. So they identify with other people that will give them that same emotion because that's what they think love is when it's not. But if they actually felt true love, they would push it away because they, it feels unnatural. It doesn't feel right so they have to change the thought process so if their father emotionally abused them that's what they're going to look for because they feel that that's what love is when it's really not until they get older and realize that that's really not what love is and they figure it out some do some don't and that's why most people stay in that cycle of abuse because they jump from one abuser to the next and learn abuse after abuse after abuse and they feel that that's all they understand and that's why um, that's what they identify with so that's what they will continue to seek out When you are able to heal your trauma and change your vibration and thought process, chaos will no longer feel like love and it won't be bad and and love won't feel boring any longer. So you got to stop craving the chaos. So you have to heal the trauma, but most people don't understand that they think they're not traumatized, but it, Everything is trauma. When people yell at you and tease you and judge you, that's trauma. No matter how little, when your buddy says, oh, you know, your hair looks like shit today and you're, you know, it's whatever, and your outfit doesn't match or that's abuse. That's still trauma because it's hurting person. It's hurting self. And unless you can stand up and say, yeah, well, I'm glad you, I don't, you know, I don't value your opinion anyway. When you stop and you put that wall up and you can protect yourself which most people can't because they're so wounded, then things will get better after. But until you can reach that point or until somebody can explain it, that you can actually understand it and identify, you stay stuck in that pattern of cycles of just abuse. And, and that's, again, I'm, I'm trying to break that because I don't want people going to the streets any longer. I don't want them seeking that escape from the reality that they can't live in. I want the reality that they're living in to be just as good. I want it to be better than the escape because I want them to search for a product that's going to heal their system, not hurt their system or possibly kill them. I mean, that is one thing that, and most people don't understand. Well, why did they go after the pills? Well, why did they do this? Or why did they do that? Or what didn't I teach them? It may not even have had anything to do with the parents. It might have. In most cases, it is because the parents are damaged from their childhood. So they damage their children and so on and so on. It's a cycle. So you have to be the, the, the cycle breaker. You have to heal yourself and heal your trauma so you no longer hurt the next generation. Parents have done that for years. So now we have to cycle break that. But you can't do it with ADHD medication and you can't do it with pills and you can't do it with all kinds of drinks and alcohol and things like that. You, you can't heal like that. You, your body needs cannabinoids, And I know people are, oh yeah, here you go, sales pitch. No, I don't care if you buy my products. I don't care if you ever spend any product money on my products. Don't care. Just get yourself these things because it'll heal your body. It'll make you feel better. I would rather you have the knowledge And you go buy whatever you want, spend your money wherever you want to. I don't care. But the knowledge is this. CBG heals your nervous system. CBD reduces inflammation. If you have cancer, you want CBG because CBG is the only one that kills cancer and shrinks tumors. It's the only one that proliferates more brain cells and new synapses in your brain. The only one that does that. So if you have Parkinson's or dementia or whatever, you want CBG to heal your mind. People don't have that information and they need it. Do I make it? Yeah, I make all those products. And I know what I put in them because I'm the manufacturer. I don't know what everybody else is putting in their stuff. I don't have any clue. But I do know that these things do work. They help because I take them every day. And I feel amazing. I've also done other things too, though. People need to understand that there is very... Massive amounts of holistic healing in mushrooms, in DMT, and those kinds of things too, which they're starting to study now. I've used a lot of mushrooms in my life. People probably don't want to know that either. But you know what? That heals PTSD, CPTSD. It heals depression. It heals anxiety. Those things. in small doses, micro doses. You don't have to go and trip your face off. But you know what I mean? Some people want to do that. And that's okay too. Great. Party. Invite me. But regardless of all of that, those <laughs> those microdoses are very good for your brain. It helps heal it. It helps you work through that process that some people just can't work through on their own. And it happens in a very short amount of time and it allows you to free yourself from the prison that you're in. That's one thing that people need to understand. You might not have the key to unlock your prison, but somebody else does. So I want to be that key to unlock someone's prison to let them out because nobody deserves to be up here for the rest of their life. You want to be out here living in the present, in the present moment. The past is gone. The future isn't here yet. We're only in the present. So if you're living in the past, you got anxiety or you got depression. If you live in the in the future, you got anxiety. You have to live here in the present and be aware and conscious so that you can focus, so that you can enjoy life. And And people need to do that, too, you know. Stop worrying about things that haven't happened yet because you create it. You create your own reality. People don't understand that either. Here I'm going to get I'm going to get a little spiritual people just so you know because you need to understand. Okay, your energy, your energy in your body is the same as the energy in my body, okay? You don't have to believe this. This is just my thought process, my belief. Creator, whoever you want to call him creator is source energy. We all come from the same energy, right? Your energy is the same energy as my energy. We're all the same. And we are part of creator. You are not a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a little drop. And you create your reality. Your energy creates your reality. Your thoughts create your reality. So when you're saying, I'm a horrible person, universe is going, hell yeah. Yeah, you are. Yep. I agree. No problem. But when you say, I'm a badass. I'm going to have an amazing day. Universe goes, Oh, hell yeah. You go. You're going to have an amazing day. It's going to be fantastic. You're going to win money. The universe always gives you what you want and always agrees with you, no matter what it is. It doesn't even matter. It's indifferent. It doesn't care. It just wants you to have a great experience. We're all here to experience life together. You might as well, may as well make it good. But if you don't understand that you're creating your reality, you're going to live in hell. Trust me. Been there, done that. Don't want to do it again. Don't suggest it. It's, it's not fun. Get on the crazy train and join us because this is way more fun. You know what I'm saying? Like I people- I do.
0: I have to throw in um a post trigger thing. So audience, my gambling audience, not that winning money stuff she just said. Um <laughs> it was a it was a um what do they call it? Like a a metaphor for whatever brings you joy, but not the winning money part. You can maybe acquire money, but not win it. All right. <laughs> I just had to edit that. Everything else I agree with. All right. <laughs> So selfishly, because we, we got to wrap it up, um, but selfishly, I need to understand a little about Kratom. kratom. Yes. Kratom. Right. So, yep. So somebody on, on social mentioned it and okay. said there's this new wave of like Kratom and another K-word bars opening up and stuff. Um, okay. And I've seen it in a CBD store. So I'm just curious right. what you know about it and how I should feel about it. <laughs>
1: Well, Kratom is one of those organic products that that is on the line of uh, psychoactive. So it's like THC. Okay. So if somebody takes heroin or opiates, high dose opiates, the high that they're getting from that, you can also get from Kratom. Kratom also works on the same receptors in the brain as opiates do. So Kratom is like a natural heroin and it comes in a powder form in a pill i think you can get it in 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 food items now i'm not positive but that's it gives you a high it's a natural way of getting high so it it's i i don't know if it's a plant or a tree but i do know it's an organic matter and they they grind it all up and pop it in a pill and i know a lot of people that have taken taken that to get off of heroin that if they're going through withdrawal, something like that, that's what they use it for. It will make you high. It will, you know, create some psychoactive issues. Some people take mass doses of it and it will induce psychosis. So I don't suggest that you take it in high doses because it can do damage. But um, in, in low doses, it's it's actually really good to come off of an opiate or something like that, or to at least stave off the the cravings for heroin. Um, but again, that's another that's just a mask for a band aid for dealing with the trauma in the first place, you know.
0: So, okay. so I don't necessarily need to advocate for that one. All right, because I bought <laughs> I bought three containers, three one ounce things, and I used right. a little bit in a in a shake because it had different attributes, right? So yep. I think I was using pain relief because my shoulder was bothering me that day. Yeah. Well, I was knocked out by like four in the afternoon and I'm like, yep. that's not good for productivity. I can't be yeah. trying, Pret- this. it's going to wipe me it's- out.
1: Yeah, it's very strong.
0: Okay, all right. Yeah, I, okay. So for my audience, I still- oh, have...
1: This will work in 30 seconds and it lasts for six hours.
0: Uh, so, so Jennifer, where can people find you?
1: They can find me at uniquelymellc.com That's my website. Or they can find me on Facebook. Um, I'll get my card here. Here's my card. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. Um, I'm all over the place. I have a podcast. that's called The Glitch in the Matrix. Um, and that's kind of cool. I've, I've talked about a few things, just like drug addiction and things like that, how I lost weight, um, my past which I've already gone over, but if they wanted to review it, they're more than welcome to. Um, So, yeah, I mean, just making a big difference. That's all that's, that's all that matters, you know? Love it. Well, thank you for being here. I learned a lot. I
0: appreciate um, how passionate you really are and driven. And I'm not just saying that because you were in alignment with a lot of my beliefs. Um, But I love knowing a complete stranger has like, the same value system. So I, you're making me feel like I'm on the right track a little bit, Um, but I, I can see us staying in touch and I wish you well and, and just congratulate you on all your
1: success. I'm grateful. Thank you.